him feeling good. He had it, it started Tuesday um, at his brother's funeral, and he did a part of the speaking for that. And I think that whole thing was just a real blessing. But um, really felt God moved in the lives, particularly, and he shared with this Wednesday night, particularly in the life of one of his um, great nephews. He really, really, God shared. Yes? Better clip it. Thank you. You're giving me a warning. Okay. (laughs) But one of the things that Glenda and I just talked about before church, and one of the things that, you know, whenever yesterday he said he, he wasn't, you know, it was too late, I can't call anybody. I said, but Dave, you're sick. You know, you can't help it. And he said, I said, well, I'll do Sunday school. But when I read this Sunday school lesson yesterday and studied it even more early this morning, I really felt like it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I didn't feel that when I walked in the door. And you all know that, that I, I'm nervous about this because as many things that I've done, I've spoken at mother-daughter banquets and things like that. But So anyway, maybe one time here. <laughs> so we'll see what we can do. And Glenda said, please don't get started and just keep talking. But we should be okay with time, too. Because <laughs> you all know I can talk. <laughs> That's not a problem. But I want it to be what God would want us to hear. So we have some scriptures today. And I don't know. Do I even need this? <laughs> it's driving me nuts. <laughs> okay, I do need it. Okay. We'll do this. I don't know. He must have a bigger ear than me. No. <laughs> Okay. He does have a big ear. He always is willing to listen to somebody. I'm throwing pencils and everything else. Okay. Here we go. Ready. Calm down. Take a deep breath, Rhonda, and have confidence. You know, um, three of the things that it talked about, this is the principles of knowing God. And I have some scriptures that I gave to Jose, and I added one particular one at the end. But Glenda and I were talking about the fact that she had been reading over the lessons, and part of this is about relationships. And relationships was exactly what my husband spoke on in his portion of speaking at his brother's funeral. And I'm going to just start with that because I just think that that might be what I, what I was supposed to share today. Um, he spoke about the fact that people that were at that funeral, and it was a full church, it was a country church, um, built in the 1800s, the Presbyterian Church, which he and his wife, his wife's always attended there, and he and his, his um, wife and family have grown up through that church. And the cemetery is right behind it. So you can picture a country church with a cemetery around it. And what he talked about was that everybody that was looking or sitting in that pew that day looked at Bill McGee with a different relationship. Some of them knew him as Pa, Grandpa. He had 12 grandchildren sitting there in front of us. Um, Some of them knew him as husband. Some of them knew him as dad. Some of them knew him as the farmer down the road. Some of them knew, you know, there were so many different ways, relationships. But everybody that was there, cousin, uncle, everybody that was there had a relationship with them, or they probably wouldn't be there. Not too many people just go to a funeral just to be there. So it was truly a relationship. But that's sort of when we look at God and we think about what it's like to know God. Um, I'm going to share another story about him that wasn't really shared that day. But my mother-in-law, Alice, always had a desire for her children to all really be close with the Lord. 
as she was close with the Lord. And Bill was her person of challenge, I would say, because he would question her, and he would, you know, like, but I know for a fact, I wasn't there, but I know for a fact that when he was a young man and he was baptized in water, he came out of the waters speaking in tongues. And people were baptized that day because of the experience and the spirit that was felt. Now later, Bill went on to the Air Force. He went to Guam, came back, and uh, truly, he was in the State Department in the Pentagon for a period of time, um, and then eventually came back to the farm. And nobody knew exactly why except for the fact that he had the desire to farm. Um, whether something happened, whether, you know, there was a reason he left a prestigious job that he had attained, um, we don't know. And I don't know that anybody really has that answer. He later met his wife, who um, he's been married to for, I was thinking they said 48 years, but I might be wrong on that, so I, I don't really know. But they had three children. But the neat thing to see was he died on Thursday before Easter, and then Saturday and Sunday, um, they had their Easter together, and everybody went home on Sunday to have Easter at their churches because all three of his kids are very actively involved in church. So that was a neat thing to see that, to know that. And then we got together to celebrate on, on Monday at the viewing and Tuesday at the funeral. And, you know, I think some of you, I've said this too, um, a few weeks ago my husband had been there, and there were a lot of plans. Bill knew what he wanted exactly. The song he wanted sung was, what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. You know, um, the scriptures, he chose the scriptures. He told my husband, this is what you're going to say, you know. <laughs> but I don't know that my husband did. He probably did to a point, but not really to that much. But he really, really, really knew the Lord and had a close walk with the Lord, especially these last days and weeks. So we're thankful for that. But all of us can have that because that's what God gives us. That's what he's trying to help us with. And the first scripture is obey God's commandments. Now, I had the Message Bible. Poor Jose had to go in and change everything for me because I like the Message Bible. And when I read over the lesson yesterday, I was reading from the one that was in the Sunday School Quarterly. And I'll, go, I'll refer back to Bill a little bit later because our confidence in Jesus and our relationships is what's so very, very important. But let's go through these scriptures for a few minutes because we need to remind ourselves how important it is to obey God. Um, in the word of God, there are things that are there that are there for a purpose. It's not just the book that somebody wrote down a bunch of things. Um, Obeying them is essential to our walk before the Lord. Um, and this scripture that we're looking at today is 1 John, the second chapter. And it's beginning with the third verse. And the first section of this particular part of this lesson is about obeying God's commandments, um, keeping God's commandments. And it starts with, when we obey God, we are sure that we know him. You know, that's the thing. I can remember a long, long time ago hearing probably, most likely my mother-in-law say, that when you're saved, you know that you know, okay? It's not just, you know, it, it, it is exactly what it is, but you know that you know. So when we obey God, 
we are sure that we know him. But if we claim to know him and we don't obey him, we're lying. And the truth really isn't in our hearts. Now that's sort of hard to take because we don't want to be liars. Who wants to be a liar? We don't want to be a liar. So we need to know that truth. We truly love God only when we obey him as we should. And when, then we know that we belong to him. If we say we are his, we must follow the example of Christ. Um, this is keeping God's commandment. My dear friends, I'm not writing to give you a new commandment. This isn't anything new. It is the same one that you first were given, and it is the message that you heard. But if it really is a new commandment, and you know its true meaning, just as Christ does, you can see the darkness fading away and the true light already shining. So knowing God leads to obeying God. And when God's word becomes our roadmap on our journey of life, it shows how completely that we love him. You know, um, it's not doing something because you have to do it, but because you want to do it. And that's part of what I think we see here. Um, I'm losing my place. But if we really, but it really is a new commandment, and you know it's true meaning just as Christ does. You can see the darkness fading away and the true light already shining. If we claim to be in the light and we hate someone, we are still in the dark. But if we love others, we are in the light, and we don't cause problems for them. If we hate others, we don't know where we're going because we can't see in the dark. There was a really neat illustration here called Follow the Light. I'm going to read that right now because sometimes you don't realize how much light a little lantern or a little thing will give off. But this is um, one night during a visit to India, journalist Lee Strobel and his group needed to travel from one rural village to another. And there were no street lights or there were no well-marked roads. And I know my husband's had some situations where he's been in Africa and in El Salvador, I've even felt, if there's not any light, and it's different because there's not always lights in, in the houses in some of these countries. Their guide was a young Indian man who carried a small lantern. Lee became impatient with the group's slow pace. So he decided to step out of the lighted path and walk on ahead. He was going to get there first. But as soon as Lee stepped out of the light, he tumbled down a steep embankment. He went right down over the hill into a dry riverbed. Lee remarks that this experience gave him a deeper impression or a deeper appreciation for Psalm 119, 105, your, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So often we don't think about it that way. We think, well, we can get there. We can do it. We can, but when we step out of the light, sometimes it'll cause us to fall. So that's why it's so important that we stay where we're to be. One of the parts that I really thought that was interesting in this whole particular passage in 1 John. You know, sometimes you read certain chapters and certain verses in the Bible over and over and over again, and then there's some that you never read. So this might be in that classification. And it is addressed to all kind of people. Um, starting at verse 12, it says, Children, I'm writing you because your sins have been forgiven 
We have that confidence. That's the big word, confidence. In the name of Christ. Parents, I'm writing you because you have known the one who was there from the beginning. Young people, I'm writing you because you have defeated the evil one. Children, I'm writing you because you have known the Father. So all, all ages, no matter what your age is, whether, you know, it's an older person. In the other um, version, it talks about a little bit about the, the first being he speaks to little children, then he focuses on the fathers, then he refers to the young men. And, but at any rate, God knows our situation, and he's not going to judge us if we have no difficulties to overcome. He's going to judge us by how we handle the perseverance of what we need to overcome. So I believe that, that that's a good lesson for us today too. So don't love the world. This is verse 15. Don't love the world or anything that belongs to the world because if, if you love the world, you cannot love the Father. And then I'm, I always looked at that and struggled tremendously because I feel like, well, we're supposed to love everyone. They're the world, you know. But I think what it's meaning is that we get taken up in our selfish desires and our desires to have everything we see. None of this comes from the Father. The world and the desires it causes are disappearing. But if we obey God, what's going to happen? We're going to live forever. And that's, that's a big lesson. You know, how many times have we disobeyed our parents or we've done things that we know weren't right? But we need to obey, and that's a very important thing. Starting with verse 20. I want to scooch on over. Ah, can't turn the page, though. Um, par- all what we're doing is, is taking part in doing God's will. But in verse 20, it talks about continuing in Christ. So we obey God, we love God, and then we continue. And that sometimes might be the hardest part. You know, because once you get to know Jesus and you really, really obey him and you know Jesus is your savior, I often think of the kids coming back from youth convention or youth camp or something. They come back with that so much enthusiasm in their heart, but how quickly it can be pushed away by circumstances that you come upon in the next days and weeks after you're, you know, think, oh, well, that was great. I'll go to convention next year. I'll be happy down there. But it's not that. It's, it's like we need to obey God. We need to love God. And we need to continue day by day by day by day. That's, that's the biggest thing. And how can we do that? And this is what gives us the strength. Continue in Christ. This is beginning with 1 John, second chapter, verse 20. Christ, the Holy One, has blessed you. And now all of you understand, I did not need to write you about the truth since you already know it. How about that? Like, we do think we know it, don't we? But Jesus, you know, we need to be reminded. You also know that the liars do not belong to the truth. And a liar is anyone who says that Jesus isn't truly Christ. Maybe you've had somebody say, Christ? What's Christ? Who's Christ? Those are liars. Anyone who says this is an enemy of Christ and rejects both the Father and the Son. If we reject the Son, we reject the Father. But if we say we accept the Son, 
we have the Father. Keep thinking about the message you first heard, and you will always be it and you will always be one in your heart with the Son and the Father, because the Son has promised us eternal life. And that's why I thought this message too, just after Easter, is such we realize now that Jesus died for us. And you know, Pastor's illustrated sermon, I don't have one of those today with the lily being cut to pieces and, and all those crazy things he did last week. But he was trying to show that same thing that it's Jesus, the Father, and, and the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's pretty much what we need to know. I am writing to warn you about those people who are misleading you. But Christ has blessed you with. What did Christ give you that will make the difference for you? He gave you the Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit stays in you, and it says you don't need teachers. So I guess... <laughs> We don't need to be teachers anymore, no. But, but what it's saying is you can know for yourself. You know, sometimes I think there were certain things in, in the Old Testament where people, we think it's an exclusive thing for the priest or for the, you know what I mean? Like, but that's not what it is. It says we t- sometimes think the anointing of the Holy Spirit as the exclusive right of the minister who stands behind the pulpit. But the anointing is the birthright. It belongs to every one of us. What's your birthright? It's what you, what, what is yours? The Holy Spirit opens up the word to us and it leads us to a knowledge of the truth. Jesus made this clear when he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrances all things that I said unto you. So, now we know that we, if we accept the Son, we have the Father. Keep thinking about the fact that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm writing to warn you, remember we said that, that those people that try to disagree with you are misleading if they're not, not that they can't disagree with you, but if they're disagreeing about Jesus, they are misleading you. Christ has blessed you with the Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit stays in you, and you don't need any teachers. The Spirit is truthful and teaches you everything. So stay one in your heart with Christ, just as the Spirit has taught you to do. And then the last part is talking about receiving. It's telling us to stay or abide. What does staying mean? It means to abide. Abide in Christ involves more than saying it and more than believing, but staying in Christ. We have confidence to stand before him in his appearing. And so truly, there were a couple things today that I really felt that God wanted, you know, through this Sunday school lesson, long before I had any idea I'd be standing here now, But one thing was that we have to be careful that we know that we need to obey God, we need to love God, and we need to continue in Christ. Now, as I was saying, I had a couple things I wanted to look at about Bill's funeral, and one of them was the scripture because I had thought of this even at home before I knew, again, I was going to be doing this here. It starts on... um, it is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and starting with verse 7, or really it, I think it's, it's more appropriate to start with verse 8. 
But the real power comes from God and not from us. We often suffer, but we are never crushed. And I think about my brother-in-law, and he really had a suffering of pain through his life, through three different physical conditions that he dealt with, one being this back and then later being cancer, and then third being um, his heart deterioration. But he was, you know, you could look at it and you could think he was crushed, but he really wasn't. Even when we don't know what to do, we never, and I'm going to say never give up because you have that confidence. Now, as I said, I wanted to talk about, about this scripture in addition to the Sunday school scriptures because I think one of the biggest things we need to talk about is confidence. And then when I got my bookmark and stuck it in there, I looked, number one, 10 qualities for enduring and endearing influence. The number one thing is confidence. And I think as long as we believe in ourselves, I'm sure, you know, like there's many times as a teacher, I've seen kids that think they really can't do it, but they really can if they don't give up, if they have confidence. Probably as a coach, you've seen that. There's somebody that thinks, oh, I missed the basket. I'm not going to shoot because I'm going to make, a, you know, I'm going to miss it again. I'm going to miss it again. You know, I, I love sports. If the Penguins had done, if they just had decided to give up after game, what, four? We would not, you know, today would have been a different day for the Penguin fans. <laughs> but they didn't give up last night. They never gave up the whole entire game. And they had the victory because of it. They had like 51 shots on goal, which is pretty much unheard of. But the, night bef or the game before that, they didn't look quite like that. It wasn't a very happy look. You know what I mean? They did give up. They got the lead, and they said, oh, we won this thing. And they gave up. They quit. But we need to have confidence that we never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we're knocked down, we get up again. And I think that's, that's a good example. We face death every day because of Jesus. Our bodies show what his death was like so that his life can also be seen in us. This means that death is working in us, but life is working in you. You know, like, yes, we're going to all die. You know, and I think that this week has been more of a reality of that to me than I've looked, I've seen old people, young people, you know what I mean? Like, it's just been a week of, and I think probably one of my hardest times of the week was on two, two times. And I guess I still have that tenderness towards children and teens. The first would have been sitting behind my brother-in-law's grandkids, <laughs> It was hard for them on Monday, but in church, they sat. There was 12 of them in the pew in front of us, and they went from age 4 to age 19. And they loved their grandpa. And some of them aren't really going to have that much time with them. That made me think of the fact of my dad dying when I was 9. <laughs> you know, I hear about my dad a lot, you know, or I, well, I probably won't hear about it so much anymore since all my brothers and sisters are gone. But I had a lot of good stories about my dad. So that was a good thing to keep me, to have confidence. I knew where he was. I knew he went to heaven. You know, so I had that confidence. And the other time was looking at the football players that came to join Matt McAndrew at the, at the funeral home the other night. Those young men, why were they there? Maybe because coach said, you know, you get yourself down there to the funeral home tonight because we're going to support Matt because his dad died. Um, but I believe some of them really 
I looked at some of those kids, and I know they too have had personal experiences in their life. And then I had one more incident yesterday that really touched my heart. And that was, I was at the drugstore getting my husband some medicine, talking to the pharmacy to find, pharmacist to find out what we could get him. They gave him an antibiotic, but it wasn't doing anything. We needed something more. And when I went back there, who was there but Deanna Hoffman, who just a few weeks ago experienced a shooting and had been shot in her head, and in walked Ryan Delavelli. <laughs> walked Ryan Delavelli. One year ago, you know, he had that horrible accident, and they never expected now, both of these young people I had in school. <laughs> so to me, again, here's my students, and I just want to look at them, and I want to, Deanna was the same age as Rachel. Ryan always tells everybody, I had her three times, <laughs> and he really did, and he was never retained. I just, it was just, I moved from kindergarten to first, and then I moved from first to fourth, and I had them all three times, so but I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but he always laughs about that, our family, his family laughs, but Ryan's always been very heavy in my heart, but to see him, he was all dressed in his funeral clothes to go over to the funeral home and be with the Lampo family. You know, but he said, it's good to be upright. That was his remark. And I think that's due to a lot of prayers and a lot of confidence and a lot. His dad, a few weeks ago, had written a private message to some people on Facebook, and I, I received it. And one of the things that he shared about was how their whole family has grown this past year with Ryan's accident. You know, I went to hug him, and then I forgot that he didn't have one arm. You know, you forget, but he hugged me with the other arm without even thinking. And, you know, I was thinking of his legs because there he is. You know, he's, he's on a prosthesis and doing very well, I guess, because that's what he said. And I don't think it's been all too long that he has been upright. <laughs> you know, the last few times I've seen him, it's been in a wheelchair. But praise God, you know, because, you know, if we give up, if we can never give up. We need to have that confidence that we know that whatever the relationship, once we have Jesus in our heart, I beg you to just never give up. In times of trouble, God is with us. This is starting again at verse 9. And when we are knocked down, we get up again. <laughs> we face death every day because of Jesus. Our bodies show what his death was like, so that his life can also be seen in us. This means that death is working in us, but life is working in you. In the scriptures, it says, I spoke because I had faith. We have that same kind of faith. So we speak because we know that God raised the Lord Jesus to life. What an appropriate scripture just the Sunday after Easter. And just as God raised Jesus, he will also, also raise us to life. Then he will bring us into his presence together with you. All of this has been done for you so that more and more people will know how kind God is and will praise and honor him. It goes on into the next part and says, we will never give up. Our bodies are gradually dying, but we ourselves are being made stronger each day. These little troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all of our troubles seem like nothing. 
So I just praise the Lord for that. And as I always tell my husband, he has all these chances to finish, and we're going to be early, but <laughs> I think I'm going to finish <laughs> with that because I just believe that that's what our lesson is. That's what we need to know. We need to know that our relationship with people, and that's what my husband challenged. He challenged the people at his funeral. Here I am. I'm taking my husband's second <laughs> ending. <laughs> he challenged his, the people at the funeral to have a relationship with people. You know, that's why they were there, because they had a relationship with Bill McGee. You need to go out of here today and have a relationship with whoever it is, whether it be your family, whether it be somebody at the grocery store, whether it be, you know, whoever. Go out and have a relationship and speak and share yourself and your love and your kindness that you've received from Jesus. Share it with somebody else. Be that light along the path. And don't walk out of the light because remember what's going to happen if you do. You'll stumble and fall. Thankfully, that person was there to help him get back up. But truly, that's, I think, the biggest thing that we need to realize, that we can't walk out of the light. We know Jesus. He's ours. Just remember to keep him, you know, obey him, love him, abide with him, and realize the treasure that you have received. Let's bow our heads. Precious Heavenly Father, we are so undeserving in so many ways, but we have confidence because we know you, Jesus. We've spoken those words and said those prayers, and they are part of our heart, not just a bunch of words. And Jesus, now we ask that as we leave this place today, that something we say to someone else, will help them to see the relationship we have, not with Bill McGee, but with our Heavenly Father. We need to light, sh shed the light, your light, Lord Jesus. These days, as we look around us and see the, the tragedies and, and look at the end times, Lord, it is our time as Christians to step up and just show our light to everyone we come in contact with. So now, Lord Jesus, we pray that you bless us as we go this week. We ask that you be with us each and every day and you prepare our way on this journey in, your, in our life till we get to have the celebration of meeting you in heaven. We ask these things in your precious holy name. Amen.